In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A very familiar gospel reading today of the parable of the Good Samaritan. But it's very important before we get into the parable of the Good Samaritan to look at um, the reason the parable was given. That is, the questions and, and the whole encounter that Jesus had with the lawyer, who began with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That is, how do I earn what God is going to give me? So already from, from the beginning, it's tough to get an inheritance without it just being given to you. I can say to my dad, what must I do to inherit your house? And he might give me a big list of things that I could do, but it might just be like nothing. I'll do it or I won't. Right? I mean, that's really what it boils down to. It's nothing you can do. But, but there is this, this, as he's a lawyer, what do I have to do to earn that, that gift of God? How do I live into the law? And Jesus says, well, you know the law. How do you read it? Well, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, exactly. Do this, and you'll be fine. Right? Nothing to it for most of us. You know, all you have to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, I might struggle occasionally doing this with perfection, but it's the, the way that we're, we're called to live. So then, seeking, it says, to justify himself, the lawyer says, well then, who is my neighbor? And the answer that he's hoping for is your community, your family your friends. And the lawyer could say, and I do this. And everybody would go, yay for you. Right? He's looking to be seen in high accord among everyone. Instead, Jesus says, as Jesus often does when you ask him a direct question, does not ever give you a direct answer, but just says, let me tell you a story of who your neighbor is. There was a man who was heading from Jerusalem to Jericho, a famously dangerous road. And on that road, fell into the hands of robbers who beat him, stripped him, and left him unconscious in a ditch for dead. And so this is, this is very important detail just to start with, which is there's things in, in the world, especially in the Eastern world, Middle Eastern world, that define who you are. Some is your clothing. Some is your dialect of how you talk. If you're unconscious and you're naked, there's nothing that says who you are. You're just 
any guy. And so the priest comes by first. It's a very important important fact is we, we usually just jump right to the priest just flying by. He's, he's too busy. He's, he's not, you know, really living into his priestly calling. But, but the reality is the law. If you read the law, a priest can't get within six feet of a dead body or he'll be defiled. Six feet is, you know, just, it's hard to tell whether or not Ken's dead without getting closer than this, right? Now, if you know for sure that there is an act of saving a, 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 fellow, a fellow Jewish person, you might be able to get a little bit closer. There's, some, there's a few loopholes in extreme situations, like if he was drowning or things like that, and, or maybe being able to give... But, You don't know if he's a fellow Jew because he doesn't have any clothes that identify who he is and he can't talk. And it's not a a hidden detail that we're coming from Jerusalem back to Jericho because what's in Jerusalem is the temple. And for two weeks every year, every priest goes and serves in the temple and then goes home. And so the priest has just been doing his work for two weeks. And now he's going to go home. And if he gets defiled, he's got to turn around, go back, go through an expensive process of killing a red heifer to get ritually clean. It would be sort of embarrassing to him and his family. So he does the right thing according to the law which is he gets away from that dead guy or half-dead guy and goes on his way. The Levite knows he has, he has a little bit more leeway than the priest, but the Levite at the same time knows the priest was ahead of him because you always know who's ahead of you because that's going save your life. And he passes by too. Because if the priest didn't pass, if the priest didn't stop, who am I to question the priest? I'm going to keep going too. And the Samaritan comes by and he stops. The Samaritan, as, as we probably well know, are, are worse than Gentiles. Because they're... they're sort of half-breeds. They're in the exile where the Jews intermingled with the Gentiles and created the Samaritans. And so that's even worse than being a Gentile because you should have known better. And so the Samaritans are the hated. And putting a hero in the story of the Samaritans is sort of like having you know, a black person being the hero in a KKK meeting in a story. You know, I mean, it's the same thing. Jesus is lucky to get out alive of this situation, let alone the Samaritan in the story. And the Samaritan does all the things that the others didn't do. Right? He stops. 
He binds the wounds. He puts them on his animal. He takes them to an inn. He pays for them. Taking him to an inn is also risky. Again, imagine, you know, imagine a long time ago, or maybe not even a long time ago, sadly, with the way things are, somebody of a different race, different culture, putting a bruised, beaten, you know, white person and taking him into town, into a hotel, a whole lot of people might think you had something to do with it. Right? And you're just saying, no, I found him this way. Take care of him. The Samaritan's not just helping, he's risking his life. And then he's paying money, and promising to pay more money to take care of him. The Samaritan's doing all sorts of things. It's very important, just one little other thing. Sometimes people say, well, the priest didn't have, you know, the Samaritan had like a donkey to put him on. It says he had an animal. The priest didn't have an animal. I'll have to tell you um, that I came here today from McDonough and I drove in a car. Like I could leave that part out. You all know that I came in a car. If a priest is on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's got an animal. You don't need to say that he has an animal. Um, the Samaritan, you might have to say, has an animal, because he may well not. The priest uh, definitely does. But what this story is getting to, and what Jesus is, is getting to in this story, is that the law sometimes can be insufficient. Remember, Paul later writes about this where he says, against love, love beats the law every time. If you are, if you are practicing perfect love, perfect compassion, there is no law against that. And that's what Jesus is saying today. When he says to the lawyer, which of these was merciful to the man in the ditch? The lawyer says, or which of them was a neighbor? Pardon me. Which of these was a neighbor to the man in the ditch? The lawyer responds, the one who showed him mercy. Note, he can't say, even bring himself to say, the Samaritan. It's just the one who showed him mercy. Who is my neighbor? Jesus says, to answer that question means everyone who's in need. Everyone you come across. Everyone you can show love, mercy, compassion to. The law has been a little bit laxous. When Amos goes and begins to say, the Lord is, is holding up a plumb line against the temple here and your walls are a little bit off. And now you're going, you're going to go, um, you're going down. And the prophets of the king say to Amos, why don't you go back to where you came from? Because you're in Israel now and we don't need your kind up here telling us what's what. And Amos says, 
I didn't ask for this. I was minding my own business, tending sheep and taking care of sycamore trees. I wasn't a prophet. My father wasn't a prophet. But he said, go. And so go I went. And now I'm here. And now you, because you're not listening to me, are going to go into exile. And everything you know will be in a foreign land. These passages, though not seemingly meshing together, are about a new reality of who God is. God's holding up a plumb line and saying, how are we loving one another? How are we caring for one another? How are we treating one another? Who is our neighbor? One of, one, of, one of the realities of the, um, this, this passage anyway of, of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Other places we've heard this over and over again where it says the first commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so oftentimes we put that as being like one, two, in reality, the way that that phrase is, isn't really the second is like it. It really is something to the effect of another way of saying that is love your neighbor as yourself. That is, loving your neighbor as yourself is like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You don't get to do one without doing the other. So Jesus, in response to the lawyer, saying, when you love, you want to inherit eternal life? You want to know what it is to serve your neighbor, to love your neighbor? It's this. Can you risk your life? Can you risk your time? Will you show compassion? Will you be merciful? Will you even do something against what is right in order to demonstrate God's love in someone's life? Because that's the hardest part and the part that so often gets missed in this, which is the priest was right not to stop. But it didn't help the guy in the ditch one bit. According to the law, he was right. There's a new law, a new reality in Christ that trumps everything, which is God's love. May we be filled with that love, and we may pour out that love on all whom we encounter. Amen. Amen.